Good afternoon and welcome to Susan Harmon Experience on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio, in case you didn't know what station you were listening to. Uh, hi, and you know what? Today is a fun day for me because I, I get to say hi to Benny all the time, but we rarely ever get a chance to work together. Hey, Benny Mathers, how are you today? Hey, Susan, doing very well. <laughs> I'm the other main man here in the studio. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm the other main man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. While Eric is philandering all over the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I'm sure you're having a great time over there uh, across the pond, is so we say, right? Across the pond, yeah. yes, yes. Mm, I was so jealous. I was so jealous, you know. And then two weeks ago when I just showed up without telling anyone at the studio yeah. because it was in Seattle and there, Eric goes, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh. And then it turns out that was his last, he was going out of town, right. which I didn't know. right. <laughs> And, and so it was like really a cool, fun thing to just show up and be able to see him, especially that I didn't know he was leaving town and he didn't know I was going to show up. Very synchronistic. I think it was just it planned was. to, uh, it was accordingly planned. I mean, just really much how you look at it. Well, it was, it, well, what, the other really cool part is Alda Sherwood, who's my writing partner, mm-hmm. you know, in this movie script we're doing, and Melinda Rabine, who's just an amazing filmmaker, wonderful woman. We're all three really good friends, but we are rarely in the same town at the same time. And it just so happened they were both in town and I was in town and we were able to do a show together, which was just ecstatically exciting, talking about living a passionate life, you know. I'd be so. super excited as well. Yeah, yeah, we were. So anyway, I love I love being in the studio, which is better than sitting here with my laptop and Skype and microphone and, and also... There may be a moment of of um, uh, of noise in the background because my um, daughter and her husband are staying with me, and she had a horrible back issue yesterday that wouldn't move. And uh, my normal chiropractor doesn't work on Fridays, and we had to find chiropractor for her, and just found one, and she left to go do that. So they're probably going to come in as quietly as possible. <laughs> and, Try not to make too much noise, but it's kind of hard because this microphone picks up everything. Maybe you should fire so. up your old, uh, you know, red light there. You got a red light there on air red light. We need to get you one, though. <laughs> we need to get you one. Yeah, hang on my on my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, wherever. Yeah. <laughs> you can install but, multiples. That's true. I could. I'm not going to, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> So we have a, a guest today that has been on the show before, and he's very knowledgeable when it comes to wolves. Uh, say hello there. Give the folks your name and why why we're doing this today. Yeah, this is Matol Wolfstoppi again, and I'm here to uh, keep pressure on um, agencies to protect wolves as a culturally significant animal. Yeah, we, um, I, you know, this is a very important subject, and I've covered wolves a lot, and, and we're going to do that, but I wanted to do one quick little thing. Some of you actually may listen to the news on occasion, and uh, you may have seen Nancy Pelosi uh, on the news. Did you catch that, Betty, when uh, she said, don't mess with me? I heard a brief thing about it, but I didn't follow up. I, I was a little busy. You know, Eric's out of town, so I wasn't able to snag too much from it but fill us in yeah well you know I, I there's a lot of issues i have with pelosi being a progressive myself but boy she just stood right up and this reporter blah 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 and she said don't you ever blah 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 and don't mess with me and all i could think of was um did you ever see a uh gosh jimmy cliff um movie uh what was the name of that movie it was a raggy uh the harder they come Perhaps. What is the name of it? The Harder They Come. That would be the, the one. The Harder They Come, that's it. That's it. The Harder They Come, Jimmy Cliff. Three people died making that movie. That was mm. that was an amazing movie. And in that, he, this guy is like trying to fix a bicycle up for those that you don't know about this because that was the only opportunity he had to make any money, you know. And he goes after this guy and he goes, don't mess with me with a knife, Right. It's a pretty powerful scene. So when Nancy Pelosi says, don't mess with me, I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Shades of the harder they come. I don't know. It just struck me. Maybe I'm the only person that thought of that. (laughs) 
That's how my mind works. Anyway, letters of impeachment are coming down. What do you guys think? It's kind of expected, right? <laughs> yeah, well, we've only done, in our over 200 years mm -hmm. in existence as a country, we have done impeachment uh, three other times. And uh, the last time was Bill Clinton because he lied about, uh, well, what do you mean by sex? Having sex with someone who worked for him, not not rape. I not, did not have sexual uh, relations, I believe. That was what it was, sexual relations. Right. And and it's like define sex. Right. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so that was but it was what they, the charge was that he lied about it. And uh, I understand, you know, people get embarrassed about their private sex lives. And so most of the country was like, yeah, whatever. But before that, Richard Nixon, uh, with the Watergate hearings breaking in and, and trying to break into the Democratic uh, headquarters and get this, the, the burglars and, you know, all the things that they did and the tapes and the cutting the tape to try to hide it and, you know, this sort of thing. The huge difference, and he was a Republican, for those of you who don't know, Clinton was a Democrat and, and Nixon was a Republican. But at that time, Republicans came to Nixon and said, look, I think you need to step down instead of going through a whole trial and putting us in that, that kind of a position. Uh, because they mo thought more about the country than their political party. Another huge difference is Nixon was not a stupid man. Uh, Nixon was a highly intelligent man. Um, I didn't agree with Nixon on anything. So the, the whole, uh, house committee on un-American activities that ruined people's lives that he was involved with before he became president, uh, really was a horrible, nasty thing. However, politics were different at that time and people did what they considered to be not everybody, but the honorable thing. And we don't have that kind of situation right now. Um, I did want to say that uh, ex-Senator Flake uh, from Arizona, uh, would they, I'm trying to, Michael Murphy, I think the, the uh, Republican strategist had said, oh, gosh, this about a month, month two months ago, uh, said, if you had a secret vote today, there would be 30 Republican senators who would, because the Senate acts as the jury for the trial. So that there would be 30 uh, Republican senators who would vote for impeachment. And Flake came out, out the next day and said, no, there would be 35 if it was a secret vote. I personally do not want a secret vote. I want people to stand up and be counted. You know, I think that we need to see where people are on, on these things. And the other big difference in this case is we have someone who is abusing power to line his own pockets. Uh, for his, for you know, for his benefit, uh, against the benefit, it wasn't for our national interests, and it was definitely uh, for his political of uh, health, and uh, to create something that didn't exist. Anyway, that's where we are now. And I did want to say one little thing, my uh, on my views, and you may you may have gathered from the things that I'm saying that I think that. Uh, that this process is a good process for us. Um, this is uh, the the the, uh, the GOP members of Congress are soon going to have to vote, and uh, they're looking at more at their own political skins. Whether Trump, if Trump's approval rating falls even further than it already has, this is going to impact on how. Republicans will vote because they're about self-interest rather than uh, the interests of the country. Um, so abuse of power is just a, a major reason. And that was one of the things that our founding fathers were the most concerned about was having a foreign uh, power having influence over our vote. That was a, a really big thing. So the fact that the, we know that the Russians influenced the last presidential, uh, there's no question about that a race, but we don't want it happening again. And we know that the Russians um, and the Ukraines, you know, are at war and that withholding uh, the, the weapons that the Ukraines need to defend themselves against Russia is a, a really big thing. So one of the things that, uh, that will be happening, um, 
that that's important about this is that um, the some of the people uh, there's a guy named Noah Feldman. He's at Harvard University, and he said, "If we cannot impeach a president who abused his office for personal advantage, we no longer live in a democracy." So this is this is a very big deal for us. And one of the things that I know about, there's probably around 400 protests uh, in at least 48 states uh, that will will uh, will go out. So when um, when this when this happens, though, there will be a call to go out. If you want to get out in the streets and express yourself regarding impeachment, there will be plenty of places where you can do that, and that announcement will be made. Um, I think moveon.org is the organization you need to uh, kind of check into and see uh, that, that those opportunities exist to express yourself as a citizen in, in the country and let people know where you stand. I personally will be doing that, uh, but that's me. Uh, you have every right to your own, your own view. Uh, we all have a right to our opinions. We don't have a right to our own facts. Facts are facts and opinions are opinions. They're not the same thing. Anyway, I have very strong... Do either one of you want to jump in on that before we move on to Wolves? I would say uh, in Illahi up here, we are um, currently involved in getting Mark Charles, the Diné candidate, nominated and in the presidency, and we think that is a, a step forward. Okay, and I'm not familiar. What was the name again? That's Mark Charles. Mm-hmm. Mark Charles. Okay. Half all the people. Yep. Oh, and that is not a person I'm familiar with. Yeah, check him out, folks. Mark Charles. Yep, I'm excited about Mark Charles. Cool. I, I would like to about. to learn more. What is what are his positions? Um. Racism and the truth about the doctrine of discovery. Oh, okay. That's that. I will definitely look into that. I'm I'm always interested in learning something I don't know, and I don't know about that. So I will check that out for sure. Um, so wolves have been reintroduced. What what is it now? Probably a little over twenty years, maybe thirty at the most. Uh, because they almost died out all across the all across the United States. Oh yes, in the 1950s they were made extinct. Yeah, the last wolf was killed off in this region in 1953. That's correct. Right, and so they've been reintroducing them, and they've actually been managing fairly well. One of the issues that I had in, in looking up things to, to, to talk about in terms of the wolves is most of the reports are, oh, yes, they've increased 10 percent or they've increased 12 percent. But they've left out a lot of things that I think are important. I, I found an article of uh, the social tolerance for wolves and ranchers. Uh, Eric Molvar, M-O-L-V-A-R, wrote this article in August of this year. And uh, it's it's really a, a pretty good uh, article. Now I I am going to say that it does lean on the on the side of um, you know fully living and wolves being a part of of the uh, the thing the livestock industry. Uh, the livestock industry uh, has not done itself any favors uh, with grazing on public land. And not using outriders, um, they get to graze on public land, and that's and that's fine. But they have found that there's some real issues around that, and there's a public backlash that uh, allow about allowing private li- livestock on Absolutely. public lands. Yes, as well there should be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they don't have this right now. There's one really bad player in Washington State, uh, the Diamond M Ranch. I think the, uh, the Len McIrvin uh, is the is the owner of the Diamond M Ranch, and he's always talking about livestock losses. And I remember reading somewhere else, not in this particular article, in someplace else, where he's attributed uh, livestock losses to wolves when it's obvious that they weren't 
uh, wolf wolf kills because he he's trying to blame everything on them. And I think right. the thing that the 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 whole issue around the profanity pack to me was absolutely gross what they did. Uh, they went after the profanity pack and they right. killed, you know, the whole pack. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. And that I all stemmed from the. Go ahead. Um, my take on that is because indigenous resistance has not been able to re extend our reach into what's commonly known as Washington State, that things are escalating faster up there because there's invisible forces. People will try to play it off as a Republican Democrat thing, but really, no, no, I no. know in Western Oregon, what's keeping wolves protected is. Uh, they fear Indian uprising. We have 274 direct actions. Um, we specialize in confrontation. Um, so this is, in fact, what they're concerned about. And I don't think the mainstream is getting that invisible story. No, well, they try to keep, uh, you know, the uh, uh, First Nations people as invisible as possible. <laughs> right. Uh, when when the Bundys took over the wildlife refuge in Oregon, and I know this friend of mine says, it's begun. I'm like, what's begun? He texts me at 6 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I went and looked it up, and, and he says, the land is going back to the people it belongs to. And I went, well, the Ute are going to be very, very happy to know that they're getting their land back. <laughs> and he's like, what? I said, well, it was theirs for 10,000 years. So, you know, and, oh, are you saying they're not all oh, the ranchers? No. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting what our perspectives are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. There's a, a heavy settler uh, indoctrination and uh, a lot of storytelling and uh, cultural amnesia going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have some good stories to tell, and, and I want to hear them. I did want to say on one of the underhanded things that uh, that I've heard about that really bothered me tremendously uh, uh, on the the underhanded things they do to uh, block uh, any any things coming out that aren't the message that the livestock industry wants to do. There was a, a um, Dr. Rob, and I may mispronounce his name. It's W-E-I-L-G-U-S, Wild Gus. I would, I would say Wild Gus. Dr. Uh-huh. Rob Wild Gus. He's at Washington State University, and uh-huh. he uh, exposed this rancher-caused conflict and subsequently released research demonstrating that the killings of wolves had no effect on future livestock losses. The livestock industry struck back against the science through Representative Joel Kretz. He's in the state legislature. And and this is how underhanded they are. He engineered a deal to shut down funding for Dr. Wild Gus's wolf research. And then they further threatened the university. They threatened... Uh, the university he worked for, uh, which is, you know, Washington State University, with the withdrawal of millions of dollars in funding for medical school just to muzzle Dr. Wildgus. I think that's pretty underhanded. That's, you know, that's like telling Ukraine, well, we're not going to give you this money to to defend yourself against Russia uh, if you don't do this for us. This is the same kind of thinking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, we're going to go do this to you so you can't tell the truth about this other thing. Uh, the killing of the profanity pack, uh, then they, they followed that with kill orders for the Sherman pack, the smack out, the Togo packs, and kill orders right. against the wolves who came in to fill. I mean, wolves moved into those territories to, to refill, and wolves are highly intelligent. And, oh, uh, you know... If they would, you know, one very simple thing that a rancher can do is have an outrider. Wolves know who the predators are. They see that outrider and they stay away. You know. You have our own tribal outlooks on that. Um, uh, Cows are not indigenous is what I've been telling folks. Uh, (laughs) No, they're not. You know, the way people would uh, protect 
at the consideration for Native people, and we're yet to arrive at that. But um, can I start on on these stories here? Of course, of course. Okay. So um, first off, I want to dedicate this to uh, Agnes Baker Pilgrim, who recently passed away. Uh, Agnes was an elder of the Takelma tribe, and I would always talk to her at powwow each year and kind of ask for instructions. And she always reminded us to be the voice for the voiceless. And I think a good way to honor her is to um, just for Elahi to rise up and be the voice of the voiceless. The, I totally agree with that. Um, being the voice for those without a voice is one of the most important things any of us can do. Talapuya wolf story I'm going to share here uh, to remind Talapuya, Yonkala, Shasta, uh, Fanny Ham that they're culturally obligated to help me in the struggle. Here's why. The world was made of stone. There were stone mountains and stone valleys. At the very top of the stone mountain, something came to life, and that life became known as Lilu, the first woman who walked down from that stone mountain with two babies clutched at her breast. As she walked with every step, she took the grass, began to grow, and as she sat, she touched the ground, the rivers began to flow. And she walked until she came to the valley, the valley of the stone. And there she met Quartuck, Mother Wolf, who looked at her and said, Who are you? And she said, I am Lilu, first woman. And Quartuck said, And where did the babies come from? And Lilu, first woman, said, I dreamed of them, and they came to me. But I need someone to watch them while I go out to look around in the world. Quartuck looked at her and smiled, flashing her teeth in the sun. Mother Wolf said, I will watch them. Lilu was a bit afraid, and something inside of her made her trust Mother Wolf. So she wove a pack basket of wild iris, and put the babies in the pack basket and strapped them to the back of Mother Wolf just to make sure the babies would be safe and not fall out. Lilu also wove a wide strap and strapped those babies around their head in the basket to make sure they were safe. And she went away to look around in the world. She was gone a long time, but when she came back, the babies were safe. Lilu Mother Wolf had taken care of them. As Lilu lifted those babies out of the basket, she saw something was different. She unstrapped them from the basket, took the straps from their head, and she noticed that her forehead was flat. She said, this is good. From now on, our people will flatten the foreheads of the babies in honor of Mother Wolf. We took such very good care of the babies. Indeed, that's how life came to this earth. The people of the Kalapulia did flatten the foreheads of their babies in honor of Mother Wolf who also has a forehead that is flat. This was a practice that was kept around until about 100 years ago when it was outlawed by the government. So I just wanted to say that the wolf is a protector of something as profound as our babies and reiterate that wolf is sacred. Here I have the American Indian Religious Freedom Act that says policies of government agencies to eliminate interference with the free exercise of Native American religion. And I want to give a shout-out to Roger Dobson and uh, Jimmy St. Goddard and also Eric Molivar, who you just mentioned, and anyone else who... Uh, involved in making this kind of thought process into law. It starts with an idea, these ideas, these direct actions, these confrontations, and eventually it's going to be law 
and a matter of uh, basic course of action. <clears throat> but political change does require force, and that's why we're doing the direct action. Some remarks about Ojibwe um, understanding. The more I'm meditating on this recently, what happens to wolves happens to humankind, and we can see that the colonial culture is what what's there. You know, this is the this is the same culture that made all the water on the continent drinkable. The a practice of learning about animals uh, by putting them in a cage, what they call zoology. This is a way of understanding to the colonial culture, and I think it's no wonder that there's indigenous children in cages right now. So yes. we're stressing anti-colonial. Um, there's colonial natives and anti-colonial natives, and the the colonial natives has been the enemy of the traditionalists since, ever since the arrival of Europeans. So we're very much against uh, tokenism, and we're we're trying to grab as much power uh, in the region so we can um, see our political causes um, be effective. People you... up here are posturing their they're just fostering. They don't want their political causes to be effective. And so that's why we need to return power to indigenous people. Do you, I know that there's a lot of things going on uh, now in terms of indigenous people going to, uh, for instance, from the Amazon uh, to Europe, uh, talking to people. Um, do you believe that the new warriors are spiritual warriors? Well, yes, there's a revival going on. You can see it in my movement with the heavy foundation in the Anishinaabe wolf story, use of the um, the drum, and, uh, specifically the Anishinaabe wolf song. Um, also, I need to mention uh, Paiute, also yes. believe wolf is sacred. I believe I touched on that last time I was on your show. So I just right. need to update that Paiute people are still not being respected in this region. I totally concur with you. I want to talk more about um, uh, honoring people's own religions, uh, how that needs to be to be dealt with. This was a discussion that we had back in the 60s, uh, talking about, uh, for instance, in the Southwest, uh, eating of the peyote, uh, you know, cactus, uh, how important that was, and that that was part of the re uh, religious uh, roots. Uh, so one, so if you outlaw something anyway, I want to I want to discuss more about that. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk. Uh, I, you have two more stories to tell, and we want to talk about what all this means. How does that? How does that impact? How do we remove the yoke of colonialism? Uh, people often defend their what? I, I can definitely comment on that. That's right up my alley. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because I find that people a lot of times they defend a position because they're afraid they have to deal with their own guilt. And my thing is, you know, let it go. Say, listen, this is what happened. We need to change what we've done wrong. We need to admit what has happened that hasn't been right and change that. And as soon as we get back from break, we're going to talk about all that. You are listening to Susan Harmon Experience. We're talking about wolves. We're talking more, actually, it's not just wolves. It's how the sacredness of wolves and how they interact with us as human beings and how we interact with them and what is wrong and right about our interactions with one another. Uh, stay tuned for more exciting stories. 
On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed back Rebecca Norrington, author of Reality Spirituality, The Truth About Happiness. On Saturday, Mark Anthony, psychic medium and lawyer, makes the case for the afterlife as he shares evidence of eternity. Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Susan Harmon is offering her skills as an intuitive counselor, medium, and energy healer via phone or Skype with her audience at a reduced rate of $40 for the first half hour. Susan listens to your guidance and gives what is needed for you in the present moment. Email susan at susanharmon.com and put I love the Susan Harmon Hour in the subject line. This is a limited time offer, so set up your appointment by emailing susan at susanharmon.com today. In March 2016, Melinda Rabine received the Right Now Today Humanitarian Award for her work on a film about domestic violence called Asylum, which was also awarded Best Narrative Short at the 2018 Cinema on the Bayou Film Festival. Now she's turned her talents to making a new documentary, Stories of Us, Camp Second Chance. In the process, she embedded herself in the camp during the snows of winter, spending Christmas there and returning for numerous visits since. Rabide shows the beauty and humanity of the homeless residents and builds a bridge of compassion in this compelling look at the common threads that bind us all. Interested in knowing more? Contact Melinda Rabine. Email melindarabine at gmail.com. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Susan Harmon Experience. She, I am very happy to be here today with my dear friend telling his wolf stories. And I, I hesitate sometimes because I so mispronounce your name, and I apologize for that. Uh, but um, I'll, I'll get it straight one of these days. I can always just say, hey, you, which is a little rude. But, you know. Uh, we've been talking about wolves and the interaction between wolves and human beings and the impact of colonization uh, on our country and on humanity. Yeah, that's correct. This is Nicole Wolfsabi back again. Uh, Nicole View as well, Eastern dialect. Uh, so, yeah, I want to go ahead and share Paiute. Wolf story. Uh, Paiute take up the largest portion of what's commonly known as Oregon. And that's an important story. Long ago, when it became night, dark sky, I couldn't start that. The signs a big dipper, little dipper, the north star, and the eagle's footprint. The three hunters and the bears. Wolf worked and worked, and by noontime he was very tired. Wolf lay down to take an afternoon nap with his jack companion. The jack was a sheep wrapped up like a bag with stars in it. As Big Brother was creeping along, came his little brother, Coyote, who was searching. When Coyote came across his big brother sleeping, he noticed the jack. said to himself, I wonder what's in the sack. I will take a look and see what's in it. Coyote took the sack and ran. While he was running, he opened the sack and looked in. Not watching where he was going, he tripped and spilt the stardust, which was Brother Wolf had been making the stars. The stardust splattered into the sky among the designs Wolf if Brother Coyote had not taken the wolf back of stardust, all the stars would have been formed into design rather than scattered about as they are today in the Milky Way. When Coyote looked into the sky and saw it, it was scattered stars and it reminded us what he did. Okay, I hope you were able to hear that. That's, uh, I, I really did not. Uh, I was not able to hear that um, because it. Uh, I think you were playing a recording. 
Yeah, and specifically yeah. depicts how Wolf was a deity who created the stars to the Paiute people. Okay, yeah, if you could, can you tell the story again just through the phone? Because I, I could not understand anything. I don't have it here. I will send the oh, link. Okay. Perfect, uh, perfect. And what I'm going to do, folks, is I will put that story on my website uh, when I get the website more together. And uh, that way we can share it. Uh, I, I definitely want to uh, play it at another time. Maybe I can just get the recording and uh, send it to, um, you know, yeah, send it and, and we'll play it at another time right from the studio so that it, it can be shared with people because it's definitely something worth hearing. And we, if we don't, if we can't get it to work one way, we'll get it to work another. You know, that's what we do. Right? So, yeah. um, you have a third story you wanted to tell after the Paiute story uh, of Wolf, and and as far as I'm concerned, this is still uh, going out to uh, you know speak for those who cannot speak for themselves, and I think that uh, that's what we're wanting to accomplish here. And can you do the third story now, my friend? Yeah. Um, the Ojibwe wolf story is that um, Dickie Manadu uh, had an original man. Um, an original man says to Dickie Manadu, which is the great mystery creator figure, that uh, needs a partner because he's lonely. If humanity sends the wolf and says, you're to be brother to Anishinaabe, first people, and they go around naming all of the animals, the plants and the animals. And eventually, uh, it is ordered by Gitsumanadu that wolf go Wolf and First Man go their separate ways, and they will always be brothers. And what happens, one happens to the other. Uh, Wolf is uh, a teacher, a uh, mentor, and instructed us on uh, clan, how to form our clan. And so, there's so many parallels to that right now. We're looking at human extinction. Yes. You know, I'm reminded of earlier this week, I was showing some students, we were reviewing the Russell Means uh, documentary, uh, or where he speaks and he says, welcome to the reservation. And you can find that on YouTube, whatever. But he saying, said, welcome to the reservation. I missed that second yeah. part. Well, welcome to the reservation. Uh-huh. And you can find that on YouTube or, or whatever. Right, right. Well, those are set so, up as death camps, so you know how that goes. And yet people survived, did they not? Yeah, and that's what we're looking at again uh, currently with the so-called um, immigrant uh, thing that's happening when, in fact, 90% of the people de being denied immigration to this land uh, are indigenous of uh, yeah. 180 plus beautiful southern tribes. And so it's back to those colonial lies again. Um, being an anti-racist, I have to uh, push these issues. But I think the uh, Latinx, Chicano, etc. label is allowing this extension of the Indian Wars to... Um, brutalize our southern indigenous cousins and I urge more people on the 2020 census coming up to um, proudly state that they are indigenous 
Yes. <clears throat> yes, definitely. And I think that that's a very important time. message to get out. Very important. Yeah. Uh, what happens to wolf happens to man. Um, climate catastrophe. That Getting that kind of wordage on it. Um, because that's what we're approaching. Um, how to address some of this is you cannot decolonize a colonial space. So folks are actually going to have to relinquish land and power back to indigenous people, the most anti-colonial indigenous people possible. And it's through that land base that the solutions that the entire human family need will come from. Only when the land base and power is returned to indigenous people, because we have some things that are still hushed because of a 400-year pattern of co-optation starting with the co-optation of the Métis struggle in Canada by um, Irish resistors in Canada. And so this process of healing is still going on, and you see it so commonplace in the activist circles that every time we um, do propose solution, they steal it from us, making us invisible again. So... When land base is returned to us, these solutions will happen in greater numbers. Also, through tribal sovereignty, we can get around things like building codes for sustainable housing, composting toilets, and right, stuff that right. people in the regular uh, population sector aren't going to be able to do that. Yeah, those are all really important things. And, and it has actually now become a worldwide movement. And I find um, when I hear people say, oh, Standing Rock is over, I'm like, no, Standing Rock was a beginning, not an ending. And, and people aren't understanding the movement that is taking place because, as you've talked about, you know, it being invisible but it doesn't mean, you know, like the air is invisible. It's still molecules. Do you know what I mean? It's still real. Uh, just like this, this, this movement is like air. Uh, it's about water. Yeah. It's about land. And, it's about air. You know, and and it's and it's very powerful. Yes, I've been stressing that. Um, you know, we're the rightful stewards of this land, um, and. Recently, I was going over, actually came to me in my sleep to, to look up one of these indigenous leaders, Little Turtle of the Miami. I seen him linked to um, the struggles of my own people who had the greatest victory over American forces, uh, what's historically known as St. Clair's defeat, and you can look that up. But these are where confederation of indigenous peoples um, did defend this land. And they did so knowing that the invaders coming would not treat this land well and, and that it would lead to further exploitation. So, in fact, we have a 529-year resistance to colonialism that's how long our environmental struggle, if you will. Mm -hmm. We don't really mm -hmm. like that term because it indicates that people are separate from the land when they are not separate from the land. And in fact, indigenous peoples are an extension of nature itself. That's one of the things that I've discussed greatly is how do you how do we look at our relationship with the planet? Is it something we rape and pillage or are we the children of it? And there's a very different a different perspective on that. So you don't own the land, you are of the land. 
And that's there's right. two very different ways of looking at, at the and land. We can benefit the landscape. I took one of my folks I was trying to teach um, out to an ancient Tamas garden in my region. And I said, you know, um, that didn't just happen on its own. That beautiful Tamas garden was planted by human beings, and human beings can benefit the landscape. So I have to keep throwing that out there every time I hear people say human beings are scum. All we do is damage. That's a lie. Human beings can benefit and restore. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, you know, I really believe we're an incredible species. I, I really believe that human beings are this amazing species who, as we're entering adolescence, are trying to figure out what our role is. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah. we're but we are we're so far from our potential, and yet so close to it all at the same time. I mean, it's just right there if we just want to take advantage of it. It's like in the movie Field of Dreams when when the brother said, "When did the baseball players get here?" And and he just they had been there all along. He just couldn't see them. I mean, this is this is the way it is. Our relationship with each other. You know, with the land, with the other creatures. I'll I'll never forget one day when I was uh, setting up out in the desert to do this ceremony, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden there's a coyote right in front of me, and he's just standing there staring me right in the eye. You know, and we just stood there looking at each other, and there was this deep, deep connection. And you know, I thanked him. And then he went on about his way. I mean, it was, uh, those are the moments, you know, when you when you look, uh, when you see the eagle. We ha- ha- had an eagle drop a feather. And my son-in-law, who's Chippewa, he says, did you see that? And I said, no, the eagle flew back over me so that I would see, see where he had dropped the feather. Do you know? I mean, those connections, when you know that they're speaking with you. You know, other other species that were were that connected to them. I mean, even as simple as my relationship with my one cat, who talks to me inside my head all the time, and laughs. <laughs> you know. So yes, it, it's there was a time not too long ago that we spoke openly with the animals and the trees. You know, I I I used to the shop that I had in West Seattle. There was one tree across the street that was different than all the other trees. And that tree started talking to me about its relationship with the other trees on the street. It was a fascinating story he told, you know. I'm like, oh, well, thank you for sharing that with me. You know, when people say, oh, well, you know, like I said, when I was driving up to Jerome and the trees greeted me, I said, well, what did they say? I said, they just said hello. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't any big, profound thing. It was just hello. Recognition, and it doesn't have to be some big magical thing. It's just real. So we've got uh, we still have a little more time, and I want to make sure we get in everything that you want to say about what people that are listening to this show can do. What can they do to in- deepen the relationships with wolves and uh, and and their other four legged and and winged and crawling and swimming brothers and sisters. Yeah, so um, people can um, encourage indigenous resistance in their own area if they can find it. Always look for the most anti-colonial. Out here, um, we often have to have people travel into this region to help us. Um, So you can get in touch with us. on Facebook, Illahi Spirit Runners. You can also find our blog, www.illahispiritrunners.wordpress.com. There is a post office off address on that blog if you're old school and just want to send us a letter. Um, I usually, you know, do like a light security screening, then I'm open to phone calls. Uh, we can build solidarity from there. 
Yeah. It just starts, it, things start with just one step. You know, it takes one step for a journey of a thousand miles, one step, and then a second step. And, right. and, and it, it's happening. And I think, I think people are more open today, uh, understanding that you, you said earlier uh, in the show about the extinction of, of humanity, and you are not exaggerating. And if people don't understand, you know, if we don't all hang together, we're going to hang separately. You know, I mean, uh, we have got to come to an understanding of our relationship with this planet. She doesn't need us. We need her. So we've got something for everybody out here. We have a supply list. Um, if there's anybody who's musically gifted, um, please come my way. Anybody who's really skilled in anti-racism, anti-colonial thought, um, I want to talk to you. Um, I do welcome other contributors to my blog. Um, I've got some really big things happening in 2020. Some are so big that I really can't disclose it at this time. Um, some people just really need to get involved. I stress participation. I've always stressed I, participation. I totally agree with you. And when you do uh, decide it's time to announce it, please feel free to announce it here because we we want to share uh, what you're what you're doing with as many people as we can touch. Uh, I have so enjoyed having you on again. I do want to get that wolf story and play it at another time where we can, you know, hear it really well. Um, this has been a delight for me. Of course, I'm a big supporter of wolves. I'm a di big dis supporter of the indigenous uh, people leading the way. I mean, this is this is this is what has to happen uh, in our world today. We have got to come to this conclusion that less is more, and that. We can live gentle lives and, and care for one another. Uh, but we have to recognize where the corruption is. We have to call a halt to it. And we have to decide that water and air are more important than money and power. That true power is the recognition that you have no power. And that is real power. I have no power, and therefore I am powerful. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, next week is Friday the 13th, and we are going to talk about the power of 13 and the 13 moons and how that was a traditional way of living uh, way before we started doing a 12 sun cycle. Uh, that is a very patriarchal energy that hasn't served us very well, and it's uh, out of rhythm and out of uh, the cycle's are not the loving cycles that we need to return to and enhance and grow. And that's all part of what we talked about today. All of these things are connected. You're connected with all of life. And remember, my friends, until we meet again, you must keep on dancing. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.